Welcome to the Upward Community Podcast, Mental Health Matters, where we discuss mental health matters because mental health matters. This episode of Mental Health Matters is not a typical podcast format that we've had on most of our episodes, but rather it is the recording of the live event with Rabbi Daniel Kalish, the Menahel of Waterbury, introduced by Rabbi Yaakov Robinson, the Rav of Makor HaChayim. We hope you enjoy this episode of Mental Health Matters. Okay, good evening, everyone. On behalf of uh, Upward Community, it's my schuss to welcome you here tonight. And by words of introduction, I just want to share with you a machshava, a thought, to introduce the evening and introduce the organization Upward Community. Sometimes people say things that are extremely profound. They don't even realize how profound it is what they just said. So I was giving a parsha here a few years ago, and we were talking about the idea that the entire mitzvah of Chinuch is found at the beginning of Parsha's Emor. The beginning of the parsha says the word Emor twice, Emor v'yamarta, Rashi tells us, that the adults have to give hadracha and warn their children on different mitzvahs in the Torah. And a question the Mephoshim ask is, it's very interesting because in the context over there, it's the halachas of Tumas Kohanim, ritual impurity. Now, one would think that the entire mitzvah of Chinuch could be found somewhere a little bit nicer, perhaps by Shabbos, perhaps by Yantiv, by Tefillin, by Tzitzis, something. The entire source of the mitzvah of Chinuch is by the halachas of Tumas Kohanim? What's Pshat? So I shared a machshava from my Rosh Hashiva, Rav Yaakov Weinberg, Zechel Saif, the Rosh Hashiva And he gives a very simple mashal. Imagine you have a bunch of young boys playing baseball in the backyard. One of the boys hits a home run over the fence. On the other side of the fence is a cemetery. And all the boys go running. I want to get the ball. I want to jump the fence. Me, me, me. And little Aaron Akayin is about to run and jump over the fence also. And his father sees from a distance and says, Aaron, Aaron, no, you can't go. You can't go. And Aaron comes whimpering back to his father. And he says, Todd, it's not fair. All my friends could do whatever they want. They could go wherever they want. And I have all these limitations. Why can't I go? So ask Rabbi Weinberg, what is the style of chinuch of the father towards his child? Is he going to say, I know it stinks, but you got to do what you got to do. There's limitations. Or does he say, the schus of being a kain? It's such a benefit. You're so unique. No one else here is a kain. Okay, there's certain limitations, but it comes with major benefits. Says Rabbi Weinberg, the source of the mitzvah of Chinuch is in Tumas Kohanim, because that's the style we have to all be mechanach our kids. It's never a burden to be a yid. It's a schus. It's an opportunity. All the opportunities to be a yid. Yes, there are certain limitations, but we gain is far more. One of the attendees of the shir says to me, I have a different answer to your question, Rabbi. I say, what's your answer? He says, because only the father of a young Kohen boy he realizes that he has to take the full responsibility of the chinuch of his child. There's no curriculum in schools for Hilchus Kohanim. So who's going to mechanach the kids on the halacha of Tumas Kohanim? It has to be the father. No one else is going to do it. And I said, you chap the godless of what you just said? Because very often we hoist the chinuch of our children on the schools. And we feel that we're going to release ourselves from this responsibility. But we learn the entire mitzvah of chinuch from the halakhas of Kohanim because really, ultimately, it's our responsibility as parents. 
But after you realize that it's our responsibility, now we have partners. The partners are the schools, and the partners are organizations like Upward Community like we have today. A third answer to this question, I believe, is, is when a Kohen father has his child, how does he look at that child? Does he say he's great, or does he say he's a nobody? He's him as he sees this child as being a great child. And so, too, when we look at our children, how do we see them? We see them as greatness. When Yosef Atzadik saw that the Mustayukin of his father, and it stopped him from doing an act he should not have done, some of Forsham say that's not he saw his father's image. He saw the way his father looked at him, saw the esteem he had in his father's eyes. I can't let down my father. He sees me like a tzaddik. And I believe this is an appropriate introduction to this evening in general, in particular when it comes to upper community. This organization is an organization that empowers parents to realize their role as parents. It empowers parents to realize the greatness of the children that they're raising. And it empowers the children themselves to see their own greatness and to have the tools necessary to endure the difficulties and challenges that come up in life. Upward has done a phenomenal job of shifting from what it had as original images being of just addressing issues and saving kids who are in trouble. Now they are proactive. They're in the schools and they have programs for adults and children to give them the necessary equipment they need to go through life. And as I said last time I spoke for an Upward event, we don't know the success of this organization. You know why? Because if it is only based on stats of how many kids come in already in trouble, those stats that we have, but who knows how many kids found themselves in some situation in life, a difficult situation, a challenging situation, a situation they may have in the past succumbed to, but because they had a toolbox that they opened up that was provided to them by Upward, and they reached inside of it and said to themselves, I can do this, I can handle this, because I'm great, my parents see that I'm great, and I have the capabilities and tools to be able to handle this, they were able to overcome that challenge. And therefore, obviously, I give tremendous support to this organization, and tremendous to this organization, for all the amazing things that they do. The mental health support that they provide, the outlets that they provide, the counseling center that is bursting at the seams, the lounge that has dozens and dozens of kids coming on a weekly basis and enjoying and being in this type of context, are making these types of conversations real and acceptable and normal, which allow them and enable them to handle life's challenges. Baruch Hashem, we're zaychet to have this organization in our city, and my berachas head it is, they continue to have tremendous haslacha and bracha in all that they do. It's my schuss tonight to be able to introduce tonight's speaker. Uh, it's actually the first time I ever met him, but he's someone who's shamed to with Heilich Lefanov as a tremendous mechanech, a rav of a shul, and a manal of the yeshiva of Waterbury. I've honestly had a tremendous admiration from him, for him from a distance. I've heard many of his shiurim, I've gained personally from him, and therefore it's my tremendous schuss to introduce him Daniel Kalish from the Waterbury yeshiva. There are no cards on the seats, so those are for questions you might have at the end. Write down anonymous questions. At the end, Derby Kalish will address the questions from the cards that you have. Feel free to write whatever you want. I want to start with a few thank yous before we talk the Silgi of the night. And the first thank you that I want to give is to everybody here that before we even begin any discussion, that we're sitting here now, we're all busy people, and it's midweek, early in the week, 
and we're taking time to study together about parenting says a lot before we study any detail of the sugya. That we're sitting here, that we're together and taking time, we're saying that raising families that are loyalist to Hashem is important to us. And just, I'm distracted, I see Mac here. But just, just that we're gathered together and taking time to, to sit together and learn together and study already says a lot about everybody here. So I thank every single person for coming. I want to thank the whole organization, this Upward organization. What the Rav said, Rav Robinson said, we have yeshivas, holy institutions of teaching Torah, and all of our dreams are that we understand the Torah we're learning is not relegated to the base medrash, to a yeshiva. It touches and impacts our life. There are two aspects to Klal Yisrael. We have yeshivas, batiknesiyas, and we have homes. And what's remarkable about our people is we're not from in shul. We're not from in yeshiva. It comes to every aspect of our life. All the values that we study in yeshiva come to our family life. And I love organizations like this that both are mechazik, strengthen the yeshivas, and empower the parents as well. And really bring the values of home life, the values of, of the day in, day out living, and connect it to our yeshiva experience. So this precious organization that empowers parents, encourages parents towards this precious tafka that we all share, I appreciate a lot and wish them tremendous continued hatzlacha. I want to specifically thank Mrs. Karish who hosted today and allowed for all the events of today. I want to as well thank the Palachek Mishpacha, this precious family that I'm zeicha to be close to. They're incredible people and I appreciate all their kindness. Rabbi Robinson is hosting us, hearing him for a few minutes. I would love to have a, to know Rabbi Robinson better, but very much appreciate him graciously hosting this event. To discuss a sugya that's wide and broad of parenting, I want to start with something that's relevant this minute, right now. We're sitting in a period tonight, right now, the days of Ches, Tes, and Yud. These three days, Ches, Tes, and Yud, Teves, something important happened, and I want to share a new vert. I've never told Meir Aryeh, even Ephraim, Yosef, I've never shared this specific idea with them. I want to share a new idea with everybody here that's relevant to our Tafkid and relevant mamish to right now. Ches, Tes, and Yud Teves, Yud Teves tonight. We know on these three days, Yavan, Talmai, this king, had Chachamim translate the Torah. He made separate cubicles for a whole bunch of Chachamim, and he wanted them to translate this. Talmai said, translate the Torah. Tell us a pshat in the Torah, tell me what it means, and translate the entire Torah. We can go at length why it's such a tragedy. I don't want to talk about that barichus now, the tragedy of the translation of Torah. Chayshech, tremendous darkness came to the world. Chazal, compare it to the Chet Egel. 
as a huge fan of Art Scroll, it makes me wonder, translation of Torah, like what's so bad to translate Torah? Why is that so bad? It almost looks like the disseminators of Torah. We just got through eight days of Hanukkah describing Yavan, their desire, that we forget Torah. Then we go into a tainus on Yud Teves that they wanted to translate Torah. They sound very interested in Torah. What's wrong with the translation? It's remarkably sinister. This is the first year I can proudly say I'm angry at them. I'm burning, I'm angry at Yavan, and it's so sinister. If you knew how sinister everybody looks laid back, you would get more frustrated if you knew how sinister it is. My Sha'aran, if you knew how sinister they were for translating Torah, even smiley, my Sha'aran Blonde, even a smiley, positive person, you'd be upset. I want to explain it for a minute. Hagam, it's not what I want to talk about at all. But I'll just tell you what's so sinister. Hashem's Torah talks to you and I in every single yid, at every single point of our life, there's a message for us. Hashem is constantly talking to us in his Torah, ever relevant to every yid and to every situation of our life. The Torah is relevance. It's the Dvar Hashem whose Dvarav is Chayim B'Kayamim. The Torah is the Dvar Hashem who's constantly talking to us. I have a friend. This, this is a marshal. It doesn't need this dramatic story. I'm only saying it because my friend's father was Nifter today. So I want to say a story about his son as an Eloi for the father. My friend has a stutter. He learned in Yeshiva Bayas. And he has a stutter. I'm not giving away a secret. He wrote a book called The Gift of Stuttering. His name is Moshe. He was there in my Sharon's days. His name is Moshe. He calls himself Mo. As he explains in his book, to say Maish is hard for him. He stutters. So he calls himself Mo. He's a Talmud Chacham. He gives a dafyaymi. He speaks publicly all over. He lives in Eretz Yisrael with his wife and five children. A beautiful Yid. And Maish was getting, Mo as he's called, was getting his aliyah for his afruf. And he's frightened to get an Ali is very, very scary. The Aftaira is easy for him because he could sing without a stutter. But the brachas on the Taira murder. And he was in front of his future in-laws, his grandparents-to-be as well. And he was very scared. He went up to the Taira. He felt faint. And on the way up, he said to Hashem, I beg you, help me. I feel so scared. I'm going to stutter. I'm going to sound like a fool. First impressions. I beg you, Hashem, help me. He gets to the Torah. The guy pointed, the Balkaira pointed to the place, and he's supposed to kiss it. He couldn't see straight. He didn't lift the talus, so the Balkaira is wondering what's happened, what's happening. And the Balkaira read him the words that he's about to say, the first words. Maish is getting his aliyah. And the Balkaira says to him, and normally you just point to the words, and the Ayla kisses it with his tzitzis. But this Ayla was swooning. He was feeling faint. And the Balkaira, instead of just pointing, says, Vayoymer Hashem el Maisha al-Tira. God said to Maisha, don't be afraid. He felt a hug and a kiss from Hashem. 
That's a dramatic story, but any learner of Torah, the Torah is speaking to us presently, to every single learner. And every time and all the things we learn, it's ever relevant. Chachmas Hashem. Yavan who doesn't believe in Chachmas Hashem, they, are, they don't think we're shaykh, they have Chachmas Ha'adam, say, give me your smartest man and tell me your translation. Sinister. I'm watching my children connect to Torah, and I'm amazed each one has a style that energizes, that excites them. Sukim that talk to me and say something, say something different to each of my sons. The Torah speaks to each of us uniquely, and it's supposed to each of us have a perspective on Torah. Each of us have a part of Torah that resonates by us, that excites us. What Hashem saying, how He's saying it. And Yavon wants, give me one smart man, give me your smartest, and I'll enjoy that Chachma, but that's not what Chachmas Hashem is. One Pirush is wonderful, that's a Pirush, that's an explanation. And that's wonderful. But the Dvar Hashem, the words of Hashem, that resonate and speak to every year, that's Chachmas Hashem. And that's what Yavan doesn't understand and can't understand. So they put Chachamim in different rooms and they say, you're the wisest, give us a translation of Torah. And these Chachamim knew if they, if they would write the Torah, they have to make it clear to this particular king. And they made some changes. Hashem made an ace that each chacha made the exact same change, and they made some changes in the Torah. I wanted tonight, just as an introduction to our conversation, I want to discuss one of the changes all the chachamim made and share a new pshat, a new idea perhaps. It's based on svarim, but a new idea that will help us in our mission. And this is the change that all the Chachamim made. Every single one in their cubicle who was translating the Torah for Talmai made the following change. Mamish on these days, Yudtevis. Hashem comes to Maishra And Hashem says, Maishra it's time to take the Yidn out of Mitzrayim. Maishra is in Midian with his wife and children. And Hashem says, I want you to go back to Mitzrayim and take my children out of Egypt. And Maishu Rabbeinu, of course, follows the Dvar Hashem. After much discussion, he follows the Dvar Hashem. And he's going to Mitzrayim to take us out of Mitzrayim. Now the Psukim say Maishu Rabbeinu had a very interesting mode of transportation. He had a very interesting... I don't know a lot about vehicles. I... Spend time today with, my, with Eitan Palachek. He's a bucky in cars and vehicles and was trying to teach me the difference between a sedan and an SUV. I learned for the first time tonight. But he was telling about different vehicles, what's what. And Maish Rabbeinu came in a very specific vehicle to take the Yidn out of Mitzrayim. He put his wife and children, they were noisei al hachamur. They were riding on the donkey. That's what the Psukim say. He came, riding on a donkey. Now, a donkey is a jalopy. A donkey is a cheap mode of transportation. And Maishu Rabbeinu came in a cheap car to free the Yidden from its rain. 
that we are slaves for decades, slaves working hard, being languishing in Mitzrayim, and you would expect our, our, our Mashiach, the one freeing us, you would expect to show up. He's trying to encourage a deflated people. He's trying to encourage a people that's stuck in Mitzrayim. You'd expect them to come in a fancy vehicle, beautiful cars, with great power and great fanfare, and say to us, Hevra, I'm going to take you out. And we would see his cars, his entourage, all the glory that he came with, and he'd be believable. But no, he shows up in a station wagon with instead of like a, there's like a hanger on the front of the station wagon. There's like one of the windows, instead of the normal window, has like a black garbage bag. He came, and to a people stuck in servitude, he said, I have some great news. You're free. I'm going to take you out. What is the Indian that he was nice al hamar? But not just any donkey. Chazal doesn't say al hamar, al hachamar, the famous donkey. What's the famous donkey? The same donkey that Avram Avinu rode to the Akedah, and the donkey that Melech HaMashiach is Asid to come and take us out of Gullus, the very same donkey. And that's the donkey that Maishu Rabbeinu showed up on to Mitzrayim, the Jalapi. Now to Talmai, to tell Talmai, this king, this Yavani king, that Maishu Rabbeinu came in a Jalapi, he wouldn't look at Tyre, he wouldn't understand it. So to Talmai, they didn't say Maisha came on a donkey. You're not allowed to change anything in the Tyre, has to show him. So they said he came in a vehicle, Maisei B'nai Adam, that which ca- a people carrier, something that carries people. Talmai pictured a white steed, a sus. He pictured a fancy mode of transportation. And you and I know the Dvar Hashem, the truth, that he came in a chamar. So today, when we celebrate, today, when we remember people who try to make us forget Tyrant, not have the Dvar Hashem that's ever relevant to us, those that are Lashkichem, that only understand Chachmas Adam, only are limited what a human being can understand, a very limited Tyrant, we have a limitless Tyrant. And our limitless Torah, the Dvar Hashem, wants you and I to know that Moshe Rabbeinu came in a chamar and a donkey. Why? What a strange way to announce to a people, to energize, to encourage a people stuck in a difficult situation. What a strange way. I want to suggest a pshat, an idea, to everybody here. We'll see what you think. I want to suggest an idea why Maish Rabbeinu came on a chamar. And I want to say like this. This is how I distinguish between a horse and a chamar. Coming on a horse is I'm in a very bad predicament, a bad situation, and my hero rescues the day. He comes from outside with superhuman power, He comes on his horse with represent the hero. I'm stuck. I'm in a difficult situation. And the hero from outside my situation rides in on a horse and saves the day as a marshal. 
Somebody has a difficult child. Being saved by a horse would mean some Rebbe comes, who's the best Rebbe in Chicago he has, and flies in on their horse and saves the day. That would be Maisha Rabbeinu driving in on a horse. What's represented that the one who saves us from Gullus, what's represented that Mashiach's going to come riding a jalopy, is that Mashiach, the salvation, the Yeshua, from difficult situations, does not arise outside the situation. The Yeshua is not a hero who had a horse. We're all like stuck in poverty, stuck in danger, and a man who's outside of our difficulty comes in and saves the day. That is not how the Yeshua happens. He's riding a donkey, which is a vehicle, which is an item that seems to represent all our tzaras, all our challenges. It's the poor man's transportation. What it means is, is that the path to redemption, both Mashiach and Maishu Rabbeinu who freed us from Egypt, the path to freedom is gufa from within the difficult situation. The chaymer, the very situation, the very difficulty that we're stuck in. The Yeshua comes, I have watched this for years. Sometimes the yeshiva gets too much credit. In our case, where you'll see a bacher steig, and I know there's a mother who found superhuman strength. There's a father who dug deep and became patient in ways that were supernatural. There's people who prayed. There are people who changed. The difficult situation and the response is what creates the Yeshua. In Mitzrayim, we got out, but their cry, our cries, came from itself the difficulty. That's Noisei Allah Hamar. The freer, the one who redeems us, comes riding on a donkey. He's not riding a sus. He's not coming from without of the circumstances. The very challenges that we have, force responses, either one could be miyayish, one could just hope and wait for a sus to come, or somebody could respond with superhuman faith, superhuman patience, superhuman love with real responses from the situation itself that bring us out, that free us. From the situation, the real response from the situation. The gu'ula is a process from within the difficulty, from within the challenge itself arises the Yeshua. And the first message I want to say of the great Zechus that raising children, we acknowledge, is work. Amaleinu, we say it at our Seder, Amaleinu Elu Habanim. Our work is children. Children are precious. Children are wonderful. And we acknowledge it's a challenge. We're going to put years and years of serious work, of very, very serious work, into raising our children. And this challenge is great zechos, this great opportunity of raising a family of loyalists to Hashem, we're going to engage this, this avayda, this beautiful and priceless and precious task that we have. We're going to not look for outside sources, like the Rav, like Rev. Robinson said. 
Certainly yeshivas are wonderful, but v'shinantam levanecha. We are going to take this chance and opportunities, and each child is its own opportunity of our becoming bigger and better people because we're going to engage this task. And the Yeshua's, the great successes and salvation will come gufa because we learn to daven. Who has children and doesn't daven better? Who has children and don't increase our savlanas, more patience? Who has children and don't increase faith, more emuna? We will embrace the task that we have and from the very task and from engaging and embracing this precious task that is such an important, that is the important part of our life, certainly will be zeicha, with siyata deshmaya, to much success. We come from Avram Avinu, and Avram Avinu, the, ever the great idealist, Hashem says, you know why I love Avram Avinu? Ki adativ. Why do I love Avram Avinu? There are a lot of answers. Avram is the great idealist. He's makar of hundreds of thousands. Avram Avinu, and Hashem asks, why do I love him? And his answer is fascinating. Liman asher yitzaveh, es banav es b'nei beisei achrav, lasei stuck lishmarts. Avram Avinu was mechanech his family. Avram Avinu did a lot of great things. But Hashem says, I love him because he was mechanech his family. And this task of being mechanech our families, we will engage and work and embrace this tremendous mission that we're zeichet to. I wanted to share a fascinating chazal to talk about our task. It's relevant to every area of Yiddishkeit, but specifically in Chinuch, I wanted to share a very fascinating chazal with everybody here. Say one more point, and then we'll talk questions. But I want to share an incredible chazal with everybody here. It's a very sensitive chazal. To study such a chazal, we have to study it carefully. A very sensitive Gemara in Kedushin. The Gemara in Kedushin tells us that there was a tzaddik, his name was Rav Amram Chassidah. Rav Amram Chassidah calls him a chassid, a chassid, somebody who doesn't just keep the laws, keeps the entire Torah, and is above the law, chassid. And Amram, Rav Amram Chassidah, the Gemara tells us that he had, he had many Talmidim. And Rav Amram Chassidah, in the city, they had rescued some captives. And they needed temporary housing. And it was Nashim. And they put this cap, these captives in Rav Amram Chassidah's second floor. He did not want to have a Yichud problem. He did not want to have a Yichud problem. So what he did was, there was a ladder that it would take 10 people to move this ladder in order to go from his first floor to his second floor. I assume there was a way from the outside for the captives to go outside. These nashim until they found their proper place. And they, put, they removed the ladder. So Rav Amram Chassid had no way to get upstairs this way. There was no yichud problems. Fine. Rav Amram Chassid has a massive Yetzirah. Hashem sends him a Yetzirah. And he picks up a ladder that 10 men it would take to carry it. And by himself, he puts it there. And he starts climbing up the ladder to do an Avera. And he's halfway up the ladder, and he grabs a hold of himself. I don't want to do an Avera, he says. 
But he's halfway up the ladder to do an Avera. And he starts screaming, Rav Amram Chassidah, fire, fire, fire by Amram Chassidah's house. He starts screaming, fire. All the neighbors, everybody here, screaming, coming out of his house, fire. And the house fills up with people, including in the people is his Talmidim. I picture the scene. The scene is wild. His students for years are telling the neighbors, my Rebbe, they're talking about their Rebbe, my Rebbe, the magic of Rebbe. I have a Rebbe, the magic of the word Rebbe, my Rebbe. I was going to speak to my Rebbe last Pesach, and I was nervous, sick. I couldn't sleep the night before. I was shaking. I was excited to speak to my Rebbe. And I only was mechazik myself that I'm so happy that there's somebody I'm so excited I can't sleep. I can't, I'm so nervous and anxious and excited to see him. I'm so happy that I have such feelings about a human being, a Rebbe, magical. I imagine if Amram Hasidus Talmidim always spoke about Rebbe, Rebbe, Rebbe. You got to meet my Rebbe. And now the neighbors met the Rebbe. And they're sitting in the room together, this spectacle. Everybody knows why he's halfway up a ladder. And the Rebbe from the top of the ladder is sitting there, and in the room are community members and his students. And his students are just, you can pick out who his students are. The red tomatoes are his students. They're beat red, they're so embarrassed. Rebbe! And the Talmidim say to Rev. Ramam Chassidah, Rebbe, you disgraced us. You embarrassed us. We always talk about you, Rev. Amram Chassidah. We always say, my Rebbe, my holy Rebbe, my tzaddik. Rebbe, you embarrassed us such. And his response is, better you're embarrassed now than in Olam Haba. And I ask you, what were the Talmidim saying, Rebbe, you embarrassed us? They understood why he held fire. So what are they saying? Rebbe, you disgraced us. You're halfway up the ladder. What did they say to him? Rebbe, you embarrassed I hear. What was he supposed to do? <laughs> they knew why he yelled fire. It was very self-evident what happened. Everybody in his house understood the story. So what did they mean? Rebbe, you embarrassed us. What are they asking? Elamai what? What do you want him to do? What does it even need an answer? Some of the Mepharshim say... And it's a little bit mivur that way later in the Gemara. There of Amram Chassid had other ways to save himself. And that's what Tal- Rebbe, you disgraced us. Why did you save yourself this way? Couldn't you do something different? Which he could have done, many Mepharshim say. So why did you save yourself screaming fire? You made, you made a late sunness. It was a disgrace. Rebbe's halfway up the ladder to do an Avera. He said something... I love ladders. Some chastayim my shul, we dance around the ladder. I love ladders. I run a camp, Baruch Hashem. I named it Sulam. Many years, I love ladders. I like the concept of climbing and growing. Ladders are very important to me. All of life, the title of Ben Ali, a growing person. Very precious. Ben Ali, a growing. A ladder is a mode to get up, to climb. And I love this story. If Amram Chassid, from his perch on the ladder, told us something that will allow us all in our lives to climb. 
I believe this is what he told his Talmudim. I could have saved myself in other ways. So why did I do something so embarrassing? I announced my struggle. That he's sitting on the ladder and the Talmudim are saying, Rebbe, we need a new Rebbe. You're not magical anymore. You, you're so embarrassing. You have, you have temptations. You're fighting battles. This is embarrassing. And he said to his Talmudim from the perch, what does it mean better to embarrass in this world than Olam Abba? Olam Abba doesn't mean tomorrow. Olam Abba means a world of truth. Something called a Ben Olam Abba could be right now. Olam Abba means truth. And he said to them that I care about truth, not a fake world. Better to be embarrassed in an Alma de Shekra and to be real in an Alma de Emes. From his perch, he said, I could have saved myself different ways. But there's one thing you wouldn't learn. I wanted you to learn to choose reality over perception. People, are they going to understand reality? Perception matters. Perception matters. Yisem Nikiyim, perception matters. But never choose perception over reality. Choose reality. And that's where Amram Hasid said, I could have saved myself other ways. But I wanted to show you that I'm willing to forego how the neighbors think for what's true. I wanted to show you to choose what's true. Avoid Hashem. To live sincere. People are going to say, are going to think, but I did what's true. I did what's right. That lesson, if I save myself a different way, you wouldn't learn. Reality over perception. Reality over perception. And on this sugya of chinuch of raising children, to always choose reality. All of us want to look wonderful. There's no feeling like going with all your kids in shul and people say, wow, what a dad. There's no feeling like the mom surrounded by all her daughters who look like perfect. And people say, what a mom. And we want it, and there's nothing wrong with wanting it. And perception matters. But the world of reality, emes, reality of truth, of sincerity, what's true, what's authentic. I want to tell you in yeshiva, we have alumni, the guy's learning Yom of Alayla, and people celebrate you. Whoa, wow, what a guy. Your biggest successes are often the ones that people don't know. People see him say, tremendous success there. It's not what people see. There's a world of reality, and with our own children, it's important that we define we're aiming for sincere avoidus Hashem. Each kid is different. Each journey is unique. Never to sacrifice reality for perception. Of course we want the neighbors to see what a job we're doing. That's normal. We're human beings, you and I. But the ichor, the reality, sincerity, what's true, always choosing what's true and what's real. In this precious avoid, we want boys and girls that are sincere avdei Hashem. What a lesson of parents and perception matters. Of course, that's one aspect we teach, but of course, as part of all that we teach, but there's something called the world of reality, of emes, of sincerity, of authenticity, and never to sacrifice that. The neighbors may not understand 
And hopefully we'll do, Be'ez Hashem, things will go in a good way, even in a way that the neighbors can understand. But what we're striving for is the reality of a person being a sincere Ebed Hashem. In that vein, really on that note, on that note of reality over perception, I want to say, and this is not, the sugya is a large sugya. It's a great sugya in all our life to really focus on sincere, authentic, something that's deep and real, and this touches all areas. I want to say in the chinuch of our children how often I see that we're not in touch with the real story of the child, of getting in touch of what's going on deeply and profoundly. How often we're pushing one thing and the real story is happening elsewhere. I want to share a Bacher story that he said over in front of the whole yeshiva. I'd like to share it with you, only to bring out this point that in a world where we care about the truth, not the perception, not what others see, but what's really happening, lean into each of our children to what's really happening, reality over perception. What's going on? I want to share a story. Abacher said in front of the whole yeshiva, the last night of yeshiva, he said, I would like to share the story. I was there when the Bacher spoke to the whole yeshiva. Now I'm going to quote Kimat, not, not, not word for word, Kimat. He said like this. He said, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, I was the best kid in my class. I was the best kid. I'm Mamisha Mitzuyan. I was doing so well, hundreds, Aleph pluses. I got into a top Masift in America. Best kid in the class, good school, top guy. I got into a top Masift in ninth grade. I'm acing it. I'm a good guy. I'm a top guy. Late in ninth grade, in my city, I don't know the Chicago version of 7-Eleven, but, you know, the Lebedeke kids are hanging out somewhere. And he said, late in ninth grade, I start hanging out with some difficult kids. By 10th grade, I'm a pothead thrown out of the yeshiva. He said the external version of my story, I'm the poster child, keep away from the bad kids. Look what happens when your son gets the bad kids. He said, I'm that nice to meet you all. I'm the good boy who was murdered by the bad kids. I'm the poster child of keep your kids away from the bad kids. He said, tonight, I want to introduce myself to the whole yeshiva. He described when he was a youngster, his father running away from home. He described in detail what it means at your bar mitzvah to get your aliyah and you have no father at your side. He described what it means that in shul you're a deep outsider because you have no father who lovingly standing next to you. And he said, kids thought in elementary school I was smarter than the rest of the guys. I don't believe it's true. He said, I needed the hundred more. I thought that was my ticket to being an insider. I'll be a top guy in a top yeshiva. I'm an insider. He said, late in ninth grade, I said to myself, I've gotten hundreds for years. I'm in a top yeshiva. I feel the same outsider I always felt. It hasn't helped. I need to try something different. I went to the quote-unquote bad kids. I thought there was a camaraderie and a kinship there that I can't find anywhere else. It didn't help, he said. He said that I was looking for something, though, that I have no part of my story. They didn't hurt me. 
I went there looking for something. And then he thanked the guys that this is the first time in his life I'm an insider. What I want to bring out is there's a superficial, a bikeos, a wrong way of looking at a story if it's just an external version of the kid, he hung out, but why did he go there? And as parents, to be aware, to learn a sugi v'iyun, to study something in a way that we have access to the real, what's happening by our child. The neighbors won't know. Rebellion won't even know, but a good mother and a caring father would know. And our job as parents of profoundly leaning into each of our kids that we're aware of the real story. It's just too often that we're being mechanech and we're screaming about something and we're missing the story that's happening. In a world of chenuch that people are focused on a person, on who this person is, and an honest, sincere journey of Kirvis Hashem, the focus is to get the real story. What's happening here? What's the person feeling and experiencing? To really, really get it and lean into the story of what's happening with each of our children. Reality over perception, truth and real, not what it appears externally. I want to share Gemara and Gittin that I think is, is important for this sugya of parenting. This is my name, this next thing I want to share. The topic of Chinuch, there are many styles. I'll have my style, you'll have yours, you'll have yours. We're different people, and each of us have different styles of Chinuch. And to me, each parent, Hashem giving a child, gives us the ability to be mechanech the child. Rev. Nassim Svi Finkel famously said, he famously said, he told this to Rev. Palm actually, and Rev. Palm for many years would quote this from Rev. Nassim Svi Finkel, who was his junior in years, but would quote this from the Hail Gemir Rosh Hashiva. And he said, responsibility gives strength. And each parent, I believe, is endowed by Hashem with the intelligence to be mechanech their children. And in Yeshiva Bayas, what I want parents, the parents have all the answers, much, much more than any rebellion, because they're the parents. Parents have the answers. That's, that's my belief. Hashem gave somebody this child, they have the answers. Somebody once went to Reb Shloim Zalman Orbach and said, I came, a lot, I came to a lot of money, I was gifted by Hashem a lot of money. Where should I give the money? And Rabbi Shloim Zalman Orbach said, did Hashem give me the money or you the money? Meaning if you get, were given the money, you have the answers where to put it. If you look in Hilchestak, if something's close to your heart, so then that's a good answer. He said, Hashem gave you the money, not me. And with our children, Hashem gave a parent a child. They're endowed with the Chachma to be mechanich, to raise an elevated child. So on the topic of chinuch, it's hard to be fired up that people disciplinarians, people softer, there's all different styles of chinuch. And certainly you'll be mechanic in a style that's comfortable to you. The topic that fires me up on the discussion of chinuch, and this is the main message I want to say to everybody tonight. We spoke about reality over perception. Certainly we have to discuss what we're doing, that's for sure. Reality over perception, to be honest and sincere and truthful, lean into the true story. But what fires me up in Chenuch is the Gemara in Gittin Samach Zayin says as follows. 
Isi ben Yehuda saying the praises of all his Talmidim. And he gets to Reb Yehuda, and he says about Reb Yehuda that he's smart when he wants to be. Is that a praise? He's smart when he wants to be? Do you know, did you ever go to PTA and the teacher says your kid has potential? If you walk out, hey, I'm so happy. If one of my rebellion says a kid has potential, I will fire them on the spot. That's like a hard, it's not a praise. <laughs> we all have potential. Every human being has potential. When you're told that PTA has potential, is not saying how much he is, it's saying how much he isn't. There's so much potential. What's wrong with him? <laughs> He's not living up to it. They're not saying what he could, what he could be. We all have endless. We're a human, we're, we're a Ben Adam, we're, we're the bottom of Hashem. He's smart when he wants to be. Does he usually want to be reviewed? That sounds like such a funny praise. How often does he want to be? If, my, if the teacher told me my kid's smart when he wants to be, that means he's not putting in much effort probably. What is that? He's smart when he wants to be. But that's what E.C. Ben Yudha said about Rabbi Yehuda. Says the Maritzchias of Dover Nifla. When we have bad midas, we can't access our wisdom. Hashem gives us all incredible wisdom to raise our children. Incredible. People, I have seen fathers and mothers, ga'inus, brilliance. For every child, we have brilliance. But we need good midas to access our chachma. When a person's bekas in anger as a mushal, ksilim becheik, it says that kas becheik, ksilim yanoach person has anger in the lap, a fool is there. When a person's with midas rise, they become unsmart. They become foolish. And what the Maritzchiyah says, Isi ben Yehuda was saying, Reb Yehuda's smart whenever he wants to be, means he had good midas. And it means his chachma was always accessible. It means he never got angry. He never had kinna. He never was worried about silly things. What are the neighbors going to say? My reputation in Chicago? No, no, no. What's the truth for my child? Good midas. My main thing to parents, to us all, we know how to self-regulate. We know when we have good midas. Be mechanic from a place of good midas. Patience, love. We know each of us can call ourselves out. I'm angry now. That's not chinuch. When I'm mad, there's no chinuch. When I'm mad, there's no chinuch. It was Thursday night. My Sharon knows the bus is roll out of Durham of Yeshiva Thursday night. The guys go home for an off Shabbos. So the buses are ready to leave. I called the Bachar's mother, and I told your son, push the dorm counselor, he's suspended for a week. Push the dorm counselor, it can't happen. I pulled the kid aside, I said, you know I love you. But you're going to have to go home for a week. You pushed the dorm counselor, gave him a big hug, told him the next week, I spoke to the mama, don't add any punishment. Not being in yeshiva is already an oinish chamer. If you add, you take away that you're looking to me, don't add any oinish. Not to be in yeshiva, I can't think of it. Take him to every ball game, every steakhouse in your city. He's not in yeshiva. I can't think of worse oinish. The bacher feels that way. So Beseder, he's suspended for the week. His mother's been called, he's been told, and the bus pulls out Thursday night. Sunday night, the bus has come back, and off walks the bacher, and he says, Hi, Rebbe. <laughs> he's been suspended Thursday night, that Sunday, for one, it's not a week, then 
He's not supposed to come back till the next Sunday. He's back off the bus. Hi, Rebbe. With a smile. I was angry. I was mad. I was mad. Chutzpah. He defied me. I just told him he's suspended. Chutzpah. There's no chenuch right there. Because I'm angry. There's no, I can't even access. It's a question. What do you do? The one here that's so cool that he just wants to be in yeshiva. He's not accepting suspension. He's not yippee. He's invited every steakhouse. Go enjoy home. No, no, no. I want to get back to yeshiva. On the other hand, you can't have chaos. Can't be. When he, he pushed the dorm counselor. He was suspended. So you have to think about it with Chachma. I can't access Chachma. I'm angry. He defied me. It's personal. So everybody has their tricks how to get to a place of good midas. Everybody's unique. I call my wife, I baruch Hashem, a good family. Call up and we schmooze. I didn't tell her what happened. I talked maybe about the Mets. She doesn't care. But I, whatever, maybe that will put me in a bad mood. Whatever it is, get into a, do what it takes to get back to good midas. You are, can't be mechanic from bad midas because there's too much chachma we have to access. When we get to the chachma, when we get to good midas, we can access an intelligent decision. We may ask, but let's say I'm mad and something has to be done. Act mechanical. Two kids are fighting and you're in stress. It's not a time for chenuch. Don't give any shmuzim. We can't access our chachma. Act mechanical. Break them up. But act with good midas. We're brilliant. Hashem gives us because he gave us children. And achrayis gibt kaychus. With responsibility, we get strength. We get powers. But we have to be able to access those powers. It's Pasha, the parents, has given so much. Hashem gave us a child, gave us the capacity to understand, to dig deep, to lean in to the needs of this child. That's Pasha. But to access that, we need good midas. If we're in bekas, not patience, worried about smallness, then we can access tremendous chachmah. That's the main thing that fires me up in Chenuch. Parenting from a place of good midas. We want nachas, and we said the speech was redefining nachas. I'm talking about reality over perception. Nachas is not that the neighbor says we have a great son, or even the moro or the rebbe. That's wonderful if they say it. But the reality, we're proud of this child. This child is doing what's right. It's doing what's true. Is putting in effort to grow. Nachas. We want that and we have the capacity to achieve it. Chenuch with good midas. Working hard, pushing more, more savlanus, more patience, more understanding. To get bigger, to more, more work and to be mechanic from a place of good midas. Then we'll be smart when we, when we want to be. Any time we'll be able to access our chachma. That fires me up a lot from a place of good midas, really pushing hard, trying hard, that all our chenuch is from a place. We can call ourselves out. We know what it means. That, that's the main topic that I want to say here in chenuch is to always be mechanic our children. Our precious children that we so badly want them to be sincere servants of Hashem, always be mechanic from a place of good midas. We can come up with gainus for each child, for each situation. We'll have chaps, we'll have understanding. Some of the things that parents come up with, and it's hard to even share because the situations are so unique. 
each family life is so, and certainly we could ask Shailas. Certainly it's wise to get ideas. But the main answers lie in the family themselves, in the parents themselves. That's the main answer. We hear advice. It's wise to get advice. But the main answers lie. I would say in myself that my biggest change in my years in Chinuch, when I was young, I looked at it, I can't, the parents are home. I have, I'm involved in a boarding school. So the kids are here. Let me work with, the, let me work with this person. And today I'm much more, the parents are the solution. I look at it when the bus comes with 200 Bachram, that there are 400 more people join the yeshiva, dad and mom. And the parents are the solution. The parents have solutions and have answers. And both, I want to help the child get closer to the parent, encourage the parent to get closer to the child. The parents have answers. There's a love that a tata and mama have that's unparalleled. A love of a tata and mama. And parents have massive to offer their children. Hashem gave them this child. And the parents with, 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 with Chachma can encourage, can lean in and be so powerful for their children. We're seeing a world, all of us know we're seeing a world that there's a massive amount of pretend, of illusions of connection. People craving real connection are turning to ridiculous places of pretend connection. And clearly what's being cried out for is authentic connection. The love of a father, the love of a mother. And all of us are capable of leaning into our children's journey with tremendous, and of course, the midas that we acquire along this journey. The Yeshua comes, the Yeshua comes precisely from the challenge. It's not separate, it's not a sus. From the challenge itself, from the savlanas we build up, from the tefillahs that we create within the situation, the Yeshua's come. All of us should be zeichet, to be mechanich our children and our families with midas tevis. That's my bracha to everybody here. There's more topics we could speak about, but let's stop for questions. That's... Uh. We're phone friends. I'm zeichet to meet Yechiel in person, actually. Good evening, Yechiel Bressler. The, I'm the Educational Programming Director at Upper Community. Uh, I just wanted to take a brief moment now that the main presentation has been incredible, um, and I'm sure all of you have many questions. As some have already been collected, please feel free to go ahead and uh, take a moment to write them down, and Rabbi Kalish will be here all night answering questions. Uh, but I do, while we're doing that, I just want to make, say a few quick thank yous, first and foremost, to Rabbi Kalish for, for coming. As he mentioned, we're phone friends. I've been Zoha the last couple of weeks to be able to be in contact uh, with Rabbi Kalish to arrange these uh, today. And uh, to my own regret, I actually had to be out of town for most of the day, which is why I walked in late if anyone noticed. Uh, so I missed some of it, but I've heard amazing raving reviews already. So thank you, Rabbi Kalish, so much for coming. And on the note of how busy Rabbi Kalish is, uh, we thank also our liaison to Rabbi Kalish, Mrs. Chana Palachek, uh, for arranging and for enabling us to make sure that Rabbi Kalish was here in person and gave us the opportunity. I also want to thank Rabbi Robinson and the core, Rabbi Robinson, for opening and for, for hosting as well. And uh, finally, to my entire Upward team, uh, I know this is usually my responsibility. It was nice to be able to put that on others while I was out on vacation. Um, now, hopefully, everyone's had their chance to write down the questions. If there are any more cards, feel free to 
pass to some one of the upward staff members, and uh, Rikilish will continue with questions. Thank you. I'll read, this is the first question here. You have to be a very arrogant person, like you're reading questions, like you have answers. What, what are you thinking? I have the same questions you have, and I like questions. And questions, questions, oh, thank you. Questions are not scary to me, because I love questions. I love, absolutely love questions, because asking questions is the only, is the only, is, is the best People think that a question is like the other. There's North Pole, South Pole, answer questions. Do you know the closest thing to an answer is a question? The opposite of an answer is apathy, is yeyush. Questions are like the vehicle. How do you drive to answers? How do you get there? Questions is a vehicle, is a car. Questions is the answer to everything. Questions is not like a problem. Question Gufa drives us and brings us. I love questions. So the, all the questions, I'm not here to like give answers. I'm really here to observe the questions, to enjoy the questions, to say we're all asking questions. We came together, we have questions. The answers are certainly in you. I spend a lot of my day hearing questions. I give a share for about an hour and a half a day and spend about 12 hours being asked questions. When somebody asks a question, are the answers in me or in them? The answer is not in me, it's in them. The answer is in them. I have no answers. I have no answer. I'm not supposed to have the answers. It's their question. They have the answer. It's only the vert to help encourage the question, to handle the question. The answers are in the asker, not the answerer. If you ever go to ask questions and the person thinks the answer's in them, run. <laughs> run, because the answers are in the question or not the answer. Shloima Melech already said this. The wise person draws out the answer, does not give the answer. So let's, the first one. Most families have many issues, financial, marital, child raising. How do people get superhuman resources? <laughs> That's a very, very good question. How do we access superhuman resources? I wanna, if I would almost reword this question, I would say families have many issues, financial, marital, child raising, which is, which is how people access superhuman resources. <laughs> I would literally rewrite it that the situations themselves move us to be superhuman because the only other choice is to quit. People, people are capable, we're all capable of miracles. You know, if somebody, if, in Chinuch, I always say, a person who's pragmatic should never go into Chinuch. If you're pragmatic, you don't believe in miracles, then you shouldn't be involved in Chinuch, which means you shouldn't be a parent. All of life is, we're asked to be miracles, to be miraculous. We all have natures. We all have natures, and our natures are limited. This one gets angry by nature. This one is late by nature. 
I relate to that. This one is, they're all people. We have natures that are flawed, every human being. And we're put on this world to be supernatural, to be past Nisayinus. The word Nisayonis, miracle and challenge, is the same word. If I, could, if I could pause for a minute, if I could pause. Is that a ceiling up there? If I told this to the Bach, they'd all walk out. Rabbi, you say this every day. Is that a ceiling? No. It's not a ceiling. Is this a floor? No. When I say floor, so both of us want to talk. I want to be close to my Sharon. It would be awfully hard to be close if we couldn't talk. So I say, when I say floor, when you say floor, let's both picture this. This is not a floor. It's not a floor. It's not, there's nothing about it that's an F, an L, an O, and an O, and an R. It's just when I say floor, so everybody thinks about that. Is that a chair? No. When I say chair, think that. It is a kisei. Kisei is not a way to refer to that. That's its essence. If you know what each letter of the Aleph base is, they're each spiritual forces, it is a kisei. It's not a chair. There's halachic differences to that. In halacha, if you read the Megillah in English, you're yaitza. But if you read it to a Frenchman who doesn't understand English, you're not yaitza. Because he didn't say anything, it was gibberish. But if you read it in Lush and Kaidish, you're yaitza if you don't understand. Because if you say kisei, you said that, whether you understand it or not, because it is a kisei. If you said chair and you don't know what it means, you didn't say anything. So in Lashon Kaidish is what something is. You'll understand something. It says Pare didn't know Lashon Kaidish. <laughs> you ever wonder, like, he couldn't get a linguist to teach him one? The man knew 70 languages, Lashon Kaidish, he couldn't figure out. It's not that hard. What's Rosetta? Somebody couldn't, like, get him the Rosetta on Hebrew. They were out of it, the store. But he couldn't learn Lashon Kaidish. One more language he couldn't learn. Abaga. Eli, no, one more language would have been so hard. But it means he didn't know Lashon Kaidish. He didn't, wasn't the Maimon Bashem. Lashon Kaidish is a shame or etzem because God calls that a kisei. A chaf is from Hashem, is a power, is a force. If you're not Maimon in the absolute, then there's no absolute word. So he knew Lashon Kaidish like he knew French, which means he didn't know Lashon Kaidish. That's what it means. He knew. He probably could say the word kisei and knew it meant the chair, but it meant the same thing as a chair. Bayas kisei is a force. So nun samach, if two words have the same word, miracle and challenge, nun samach is a miracle and a challenge, then they're the same thing. They have to be because they're both a nun samach. Spiritually, a miracle and a challenge are the exact same thing. They're the same thing. You're going superhuman. And by the way, challenges create miracles. They create us to be superhuman. And with prayer, with much prayer, we need siyata deshmaya, with much prayer, we could be superhuman. We could be oimid bin Asayan, and we could be superhuman. That's pashat. Every mechanic knows. You, you see people do superhuman things. Increase their capacity. It wasn't shayach, superhuman. So I think this question, this tremendous question, we seem to have things and like, this is, ah, Hashem sent me this. Whew, he wants more from me. He's asking more. He's pushing me further. So the very challenge is asking me to be superhuman. 
So this question is priceless, is delicious. This is the question we all, how can I, I, could I do this? And clearly Hashem's saying, yes, let's go. And every challenge we have is a great call to be superhuman, to dig deeper, more savlanus, more patience. I like this question, I like this hakara. When Hashem, did, Yaakov, Bikish, Leishe, Bikish, Yaakov, Leishe, Beshalva. We have times, Hashem, I need just, let things just flow with, why do things have to be hard? Why does it have to be hard? It would be so tragic if it just flowed. We'd pat ourselves on the back, Dan, proud. Challenges make us rise, make us, they make us dig deeper, demand more of ourselves. They don't allow us to be stagnant. They demand that we put in more. So I like this question a lot. I completely agree that parents can't control their kids completely and stop them from doing things. But what is the proper response? For instance, if a child is smoking, the parents say we don't smoke in this house, and the child continues to smoke, what should they do? Just continue to say that as the child disobeys, doesn't that undermine their authority? It's an excellent, it's an excellent question. There's many, many discussions from this, from this question, many things to discuss. Certainly limiting things, we shouldn't have many things we're asking and not being listened to would probably not be so smart. I want to say two things. Every question you can, we can spend, it's right now, it's right now 9.15. We can go on this question easily to like Shachris, easily. So I want to discuss two aspects of the question, admitting that there are many things I didn't discuss in this question, but I want to take two aspects out. I want to say never underestimate, never underestimate the macha, the, the, the statement you made, even that it didn't get results. There's something called, cool, something you say to a teenager, that's chutzpah. We don't talk and stop. The kid may, well, you can't control and, and say something worse. Never underestimate that you said a truth. You didn't, you, you're not saying I can control you. You said a truth. We don't talk. It's inappropriate to talk to him. But what it do? The kid kept talking. You were saying the truth. You were saying the truth. Don't underestimate that, Macha. I want to say that. My kid didn't even listen. They, heard, they did listen. They heard what you said. Powerful over the years, very powerful. Very, I remember a kid at his seum said to his mother, he was crying, and he said to his mother that I want to thank you. When I made mothering impossible, you didn't stop mothering. He was talking about the registered macho. And he thanked his mama. I remember at the seum, clearly. The guy thanked, a registered macho is powerful, nothing to do if it worked. You said we don't, we don't talk that way. So I want to say that some, that's a good thing to know in Chinuch, that you called it out, but the kids said, oh, it, didn't, it didn't do anything, it didn't do something. You, you, you clearly said it does count. It, the registered macha counts. I want to say that it's important because it's true, point one. Point two, I want to tell you a Kiddush. It is true we have a degree of control because our kids need us. We have some control. The base of Chinuch is not control, and I want to explain this. The base of Chinuch is not that you have control. I know mothers 
A mother of a six, a single mother, a 16-year-old kid who's independently wealthy. I know a mother like this. The kid's stronger and he doesn't need her. He can buy whatever he wants. She, she could say, I won't drive you to basketball practice. Well, I'll Uber. So she doesn't have control. Chenoch, the side of Chenoch is not I control you. I want to tell you a story. Tell you a story. It's a true story. A guy comes to my house, a true story. A guy comes to my house, he's on the phone with the camp director, I'm friends with both of them, with the following Shiloh. The kid didn't want to go to camp the whole summer, and the parents were pushing, you got to go to camp. And every morning it was a fight, you got to go to camp, I don't want it, you got to go, and they forced me. One day the kid looked very mischievous, the parents said, you got to go to camp? Said, okay, and he smiled. And both parents look at each other and he hops on the bus to camp like Mamash Gishmaki. Later that day, they get a call from the camp that your son is thrown out of camp, never invited. We never in the history of camp had a kid misbehave like this. And he's done with camp. And that two people are friends, and I'm friends with both of them the head of the camp and the father. The father says at a kid, You don't understand. I forced him to go to camp. And what my kid is really saying is, you can't force me, I'll get kicked out. What are you going to do about it? So please don't kick him out to show that he does have to go. And they came to me with the Shiloh, two friends. The head of the camp, I hear what you're saying. But, uh, I want to say something. When a parent says, well, you, I have control. I said you have to go to camp. Kid says, you can't control me. The base of chinuch is not I can control you. You don't have to be nervous. That's not the power behind chinuch. Well, if you don't, I, I... It's not the power. Could they really force him to camp? I would give my kid a big hug and say, you figured out, I can't force you. Now go to camp. The base of chinuch is not that I can force you, it's that I control you. Because the reality is we don't, we don't control it's not the necessary force behind Chinuch. I have 200 guys in a yeshiva, energetic guys. The power of any Chinuch, and at the start of the year, I see kids, some kids come, what are you going to do about it? They think that I'm like battling, I can control, no, you can't. I can't do anything about it. Who said I could? I, there wasn't, wasn't have to do with anything. It's not the, the side of Chinuch is not I'm stronger than you. People who think the base of chinuch, I'm stronger than you, have a lot coming when it's no longer true. What happens then? It is not the power behind chinuch that I can control. It's simply not the force of chinuch. Great to see you, It's not the force of chinuch. Is right. So this, I completely agree that parents can't control. There is a degree of control we have that's not the force behind chinuch. If I would say to my son, you did that, I'm not going to bring you to soccer practice. Well, I'll Uber then. So, so, well, I won't let you get your money to Uber. Well, I'll go to the bank and walk. It's not a discussion. I'm not going to drive you because I want, that, I want you to take notice to do different. Well, I'll Uber, please. Can I Uber? I'll pay for the Uber. I wasn't saying I can control you. That's not the basis behind Chinuch. Kids will respond. Well, what are you going to do about it? It's not. Well, you can't control me. Re correct. If, you, if your kid is really precocious and discovers younger that you can't control them, you have a very smart kid. You can't. So we can't control. Let's do anything. Now still be a parent. 
and, and still be a parent. It's not the basis behind chinuch. Nobody has to panic if they discovered, I can't control my kids. We can't control our kids. It's not the power behind chinuch. It's never people who make that the discussion are missing chinuch. Now you have a kid that happens to be you could control. That's not the, if that's the, the aside of chinuch has nothing to do with that. That's not the force behind chinuch. That mother of the 16-year-old was independently wealthy and stronger than mom, could be the best mechanic in the world. The power behind her chinuch is not that she can control. The power is she's mom. The power is his dad has a love for the child that matches nobody in the world. And the power is that a kid cares about mom and dad. And mom and dad loves their kid, and that's a powerful one. There's something called kibbut aveim. The powers have nothing to do. So any type, well, what are you going to do? Don't even, don't, there's no need to respond to that. I wasn't saying I could do it. I wasn't saying I could control it. We're not, we're not on this, when a kid describe, when a kid ever gets into that, well, I'll just do, I wasn't, I wasn't saying I can control you. That's not even the basis of any type of chenach. So I think that's an important part of this question as well. Those are the two points I'd like to make from that question. You're wondering the one I just skipped. And we'll get back to that one. <laughs> My son makes racial slurs and negative comments about another race. I don't find such comments to be appropriate. What do you suggest? I think teaching, I think very, very powerfully that there's no room in a home for putting down a tzelem alikim. It's a mishnah. I think people are breaking a mishnah when they knock a race or a type of person. And I think as parents, our biggest tool in chinuch is modeling good behavior. That's our biggest tool. All our kids learn to speak. I don't, my wife's a speech therapist. Do we have many speech therapists here by hands? So how do your kids all speak? We only have two speech therapists. They learn to speak. You never sat them. They learned by observing you and observing me. That's how our kids learn to speak. They, didn't, they weren't taught how to speak. Most of the things we learn are observing our parents. And huge in a home, in the, in the Lushan of the Gemara, the Gemara says, Shusa Dianuka Bishuka, the chatter of a child in the marketplace, Oida Vua Oidima, comes from dad and mom. Certainly, certainly in our homes, not putting down any human being is huge, is huge. We ourselves, we are, we are a people of Gerim. Our start was Gerus, that's who we were. And it was that we should always have Avasagir, to love the outsider. That's 36 times in the Torah, and there's literally no room to put down people. So what we do each child, we all have our ways, our responses. Could be a registered macha, could be stricter. We all have our own unique chinuch styles, but that we model behavior that doesn't put down this question. This question, I'm so impressed that they're sensitive to this. No human being. That's the varim shutim. Hashem is racham of al kol masav. Hashem has a love for all his creations, and there's no place on earth, none in Yiddishkeit. It's a mission in us that Chavivina Adam Shenivra B'Tselem, it's going on Goyim, the Rishonim speak it out. Every human being is precious. There's no, there's no room to put down any nationality, any type of person. The question is sensitive, and the fact that there's a parent saying that they're frustrated by a child putting down, that kid's a lucky kid. I don't know this parent's style of chinuch. And what you say to your child as a parent that's hurt, a human being, 
a human being, clearly in this home, if this is a father or a mother, I don't know handwritings well, but clearly in this, in this home, the, these kids will be lucky because a human being will not be put down. No human being, and a kid is fortunate to grow up in a home that mom and dad don't put down human beings is varm shutim. We once in yeshiva had a visiting speaker who said like a slur against the race. The guys were very upset. Guys were upset. I was so moved by the sensitivity. They never heard like a Rebbe put down. And guy's a visiting speaker. He sent back a video apologizing. Guys were so mad. He sent the video. He learned that day. Certainly that's not something appropriate ever by any of us. And the main, you know, the chenach of the behavior that we model, the main way our kids learn everything, this is certainly something very precious. Lucky kids for this parent. Please. Hey, we know the time is getting late and we want Rabbi Kalish to stay here all night. There's a whole stack of questions. Uh, to be respectful for time, we will let Rabbi Kalish answer one more question. It is a good opportunity for ourselves to plug. I haven't gotten permission from Rabbi Kalish yet, but uh, hopefully by now, so many of you know that we have a Upward Community podcast. Uh, if we can pull it off, we're going to try to get, we're going to keep the questions and see if we could get Rabbi Kalish back on the podcast to continue the questions. No pressure. <laughs> There's, I'll, we'll do this as the last question. The questions are fantastic, really. I would, go, I would not skip one if we had, but we have time for one more question. So I'll read one question, and then we'll do one, two more, one from the crowd if somebody wants to ask or a comment. And one question from here. The question here, should sending a, a high school age boy out of town to yeshiva be plan A or plan B? That's, that's a fantastic question. And keep in mind, you're asking a menahel, I run a school that's only for boarding kids. So you ask me, I say keep your kid home. And, and very simply, Reb Shmuel Kamenetsky, the God Ladur, who runs the Philly Yeshiva and started it, I've spoken to him and he begs parents, keep your kid home. And I do say in younger grades, there, there could be factors where it's not possible. The younger grades, a kid needs mom and dad. I speak, I, I can't say such a Reb Shmuel Kamenetsky, from the leader of the From Jewry in America, tells people strongly, and I've heard him, my own ears, say it in person very strongly, keep your kid home. There's huge, it's huge, a kid needs mom and dad. Today more than ever, today more than ever, we're in a society that's failing with connections and relationships. And if we can keep the home a happy, safe place, having a kid home, I don't think, and it always looks tempting, the out-of-towners, the big guns, whoa, they go to fancy places. It feels very fancy. Reb Shmuel Kamenetsky, who has one of those fancy out-of-town yeshivas, and people ask him, what about yours? He, I've heard people ask him that, says as a rule, keep your kid home. So I'm, I, to me to say I'm very small, Reb Shmuel is not very small. And to me, a parents, parents in the life. But I do want to say I had an aunt who was a very big person. She's in, I must say, a very big person. And her kids were in a very prestigious out-of-town yeshiva. She would come, I think every Sunday she'd go there. There wasn't the type that your parents didn't come visit. And the Rosh Yeshiva said, she's a big lady, I'm not stopping her. Would come every Sunday to give a hug and a kiss and some stuff to her kids. Her kids are big people today. Kids need a dad and need a mom. 
Kids need a dad and need a mom. I can tell you in our own yeshiva, we give off every other week. And the reason I do it, I always call it quasi out of town. I want a kid going home. I want him going. I want him to feel dad's embrace. I want him to get affection from mama. Nobody replaces a mom and a dad. And Shmuel Kamenetsky advises people to keep, keep, keep the kids to keep kids home. Are there exceptions? Is this kid such a such a studious kid? He needs to be challenged harder. I'll give the love from afar. I think today a mother and a father's love young ages. In the yeshiva by us, I don't take ninth graders as an out-of-town yeshiva. Stay home. Stay home. I have a text I got right when the plane landed from a mother that you said you don't take ninth graders, and I heard now a ninth grader is there. I have a long, angry text about this, but a ninth grader, I have to still respond to her that I wanted your kid near you, but a ninth grader should be home. A tenth grader should be home. The young ages, home is big. This is Rip Shmuel Kamenetsky. I do want to say this question. Sometimes it feels so tempting to send out of town. It feels so fancy. That's where the big schools, we're close to the situation. We might not see all the positives, but there's, there's a huge mile. It's hard. Again, are there exceptions? We all have, the answers are in us. I only wanted to share such a point that the question really has this powerful point that it's a powerful thing, mom, to be near mom. is very, very powerful. It's hard. I would ask anybody sending out of town who's nurturing your child. Who's nurturing? I had a holy mother whose son is in Kyle and Eretzirol today with a child, amazing guy. The mother said to me, I'm sending him, this is going to 11th grade, on one condition, you touch him every day. I want him to get touched every day at home. I would hug him. I'm afraid he's not going to get on that. That mother said to me, we live in a depraved world, people worried about crazy stuff. The mother said, who's going to give a hug to my kid? Holy mother. She said, I'm sending him a one condition, a hug every single day. I, kept, I tried as best as I can. I kept, her, I kept my promise. Baruch Hashem. He's a friend and he's in Israel with a child. But, but home, the power of home is, is, is strong. Of course, there's something to sending off to yeshiva at the point the kid's ready. So you say, could I get them in in 11th grade? I, you have to really do some good research. What happens? All of a sudden, Philly's going to get a lot of 11th grade applications. You say, Reb Shmuel said to send. <laughs> so I have to find out. But I, I think the, this question is intelligent. And the realization of the question is it's not so sen- simple to send the kid away from home. Now, clearly, it's going to be kid by kid. But the power of home is very hard to duplicate. The power of a tata mama. And even in out of town yeshivas, maybe there are two choices. One that comes home every Shabbos or every other Shabbos, and one that you're going to see once every few months. I'm very wary today, and the kid might look like he's doing very, very stark. I'm very, very concerned if a kid doesn't get that emotional support. The word that we have to ask ourselves is nurture. Is he ready? Who's nurturing him? Nurture, emotional support. The Gemara Suba says, Could, would you send your kid to a yeshiva that doesn't serve food? Great place. Just no food. No food. There's no, no breakfast, lunch, and supper. I think all of us would be a little wary. Well, it's worse to have no emotional support than no physical support. The Gemara says that a smile is more important than milk. Mark Suvis. Emotional support is as important as physical support. So who's emotionally supporting my son? 
Is he so he doesn't need it? Who's emotionally so? Who's giving a hug and chizuk and understanding? Who's encouraging? Who's getting him? Is, is, is really the way I interpret this question. So I appreciate and applaud this question. And I thank everybody for being so patient and being out so late. Have an excellent night and Hatzlacha. Thank you so much. There are 10 men who want to dive in Maravin here. We'll have a minion uh, shortly. You have the recording of that? I wonder. Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah? Thank you for listening to this episode of Mental Health Matters. To learn more about Upward Community, visit us at upwardcommunitychicago.org. Please join us next time as we discuss another mental health matter.